Good afternoon and welcome. Welcome indeed to our number two of the Mark Mosey Show. And it's time to talk some Florida Gator football here on National Signing Day. I know, it's it's a crazy period we live in now. This guy does a great job with high top sports. He's my good friend David Soderquist. David, how you doing today, buddy? Good, Mark. Uh, minus a non-eventful National Signing Day for most schools, be considering early signing day is usually the day now to... Uh, to look at where all the prospects are going. You know, you usually take the holiday off. We call it the National Signing Day holiday. You take the day off work, you watch it. Unfortunately, it doesn't wind up that way anymore. But other than that, uh, pretty good, man. Uh, pretty good. Just a, uh, you listening to Billy Napier's presser earlier today and uh, getting some news and notes from that. I didn't like the presser today. And I'm a Billy Napier guy. I didn't like it. From the standpoint, his opening comment was 45 seconds long. I timed it. And then the first question, it's not just Napier, it's all of college football. He talks 45 seconds, opens it up to questions. First question is, can Florida compete with NIL money? And and then, like, what what has happened here? What is this exactly? Maybe you can explain it. Yeah, it, the answer that he gave was kind of like, uh, I guess you could say a runaround answer. He didn't really, like, uh, say yes, no, or – and you know, you've seen a lot of coaches come out, especially like Alabama's AD or, you know, Nick Saban in an interview saying, hey, we need money or we need booster support or we need to do this, we need to do that. You didn't, you don't really hear kind of anything from Billy Napier as far as, like, uh, you know, is, is there a, a certain limit of money we need every year or is, is the – you know, it was the booster support there. You, you didn't really hear anything from Billy Napier except for the fact of just the same kind of uh, monotonous answer. I, I mean, you would like to get more of a clear opening answer from somebody, especially that, you know, NIL, in the NIL age, that's what helps you acquire some of the elite players around you know, college football now. Of course, there's you'll have your select few players that just want to go to a school to go there, and they'll take whatever NIL deal they get. But most of these kids, want to look at these lucrative NIL deals for their future just in case they can't make it to the NFL. So I thought that answer was kind of uh, aroundish. I think you should have opened up a little bit more. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I, I, yeah, I, I didn't really set that well with me when he, no. when he uh, answered that first question, that presser. I, it's so layered. I'm just shocked that's the first question that's asked. But it makes sense now in this Wild West we live in. The part that I didn't like was... This guy's going to enter year three this fall as that football coach. And he said, quote, the idea of it's taken us 18 months to understand the landscape. I'm paraphrasing here. 18 months. Yes. I did not like that. I'm sorry. Georgia is winning football games. Tennessee's winning football games. Do you understand the land? That would have been my follow-up. Okay, do you know the landscape now, coach? That's what I would ask. What about you? Yeah, I, I I think I would have said eighteen months. Uh, it, this this has been going on for almost four years now. <laughs> so eighteen months. Yeah, I, mean, I think you should have had it figured out once you stepped foot on campus. Uh, and uh, you know, you, you've seen what happened uh, having the number three class dropping down to number sixteen. Eventually, makes its way back up there to ten on some sites, eleven, whichever site that you follow. Um, so of course, you're going to get questions about okay, well, was it nil or is it something else and. Uh, you know, you just, uh, you know, when you say it's taken 18 months to figure it out, that's like, you should have had that figured out, you know, maybe a couple of months when you got here and how it was going to be structured. I mean, I talked to, uh, Eddie Rojas, who used to run the Gator Collective now, uh, Florida Victorious now, 
and he's out of the NIL game. And he, he I even talked to him about that, and he was just like, does, does this guy know what he's doing? Like, that's exactly what he said to me. <laughs> and I was like, I, I, I don't know. I, and uh, you, you hope that it was one of those just run-around questions to get around, or run-around answers to get around a question or something like that. But when you, when you say it's taken 18 months to figure it out, especially if you go back to that portal period and the right. couple other portal periods we had, it's taken the staff a long time to even capitalize on some of those portal guys. Well, then on top of that, and I feel, I look, honestly, you, you know I support the Gators. You've been on this show before. Yeah. But I have to be honest with some of these answers where I, they didn't go to a bowl game last year. Like, yeah. what what is this? What are we doing here? And then you're at the press conference announcing more hires, and now there's a general manager. How many different hires do we need in this program after a while? That's my question. Yeah, that and the fact that with the hires, you didn't get you got rid of some people, a couple of people, but like some of these hires that you replaced on special teams and some of the other positions, you just rehired somebody else to kind of supervise them or uh, or be a teacher to them, and it's you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, if we're not going to get rid of anybody and get rid of some salary cap just in case we need. Uh, something somewhere else, like uh, in a way, as a fan, and even as somebody that covers the Florida Gators, you're thinking to yourself, "Well, what are you doing? Well, what are these people still around for? What's right. Mark Hockey still around for when Craig Fitzgerald gets hired?" And you're, you're just—it's it, baffling to keep Chris Couch, out, you know, after you hire uh, Jake Sankel to special teams. So it's like uh, it, it makes you question, scratch your head a little bit. Today, like you said, is National Signing Day. It used to be you'd sit around, you'd watch 10 hours of coverage. I miss it, man. I really do. Um, There was a part of me, I forgot that it was even today because of how much, like, and you're probably in the same boat. We do transfer portal every single day that I don't even know when one recruiting class starts and another ends. How about you, David Soderquist? Yeah, the the, uh, the landscape of college football just keeps evolving. It keeps changing, and uh, and of course, a lot of people. I hate it because there's a lot of things that have changed that I hate it just because I grew up on National Signing Day and I grew up on the BCS and. It just there's so many things changing, and then you're starting to hear the Big Ten and the SEC are trying to get away from the NCAA now, and um, conference realignment. Other conferences want to join here, there. Now you got a 12 team playoff. I mean, there's just it seems like every single year something changes, and it's not. And I don't know if it's necessarily for the good or bad. I, I think the time will tell, and the future will tell. Uh, but with the NIL and how they, you know, the NCAA wanted to come out and talk about, you know, they, they, they weren't going to really put any rules or regulations on it. And now they're trying to come after schools for stuff. So I don't know if the NCAA wants to or they don't. But if you're going to tell me that you're not going to put any rules or regulations on NIL, why are you coming after teams for NIL? You look at the Gators, like you said, all last fall, you thought it was going to be a top two, top three recruiting class. Everyone was excited. Yep. And then it kind of fell apart in December. So now I, I look at different websites, you know, around 15. That's what I saw in Rivals. So mm-hmm. was it a, I know this is tough to say, was it a good recruiting class or not? Um, for SEC standards, no. I would say nationally, you could say yes, combined with it. Because there's some sites that will do combined transfer portal guys with the recruiting ranking that goes up to 10 or 11. Mm. Um, you know, high school-wise, you're sitting at 14, like you said, 15 on some sites, 14. But no, that, I mean, it's, it's simply not good enough in the SEC. I mean, even if you recruit in the top 10, you're probably sixth in the SEC. 
maybe fifth if that's and that might be a strong fifth. But now with Texas and Oklahoma coming, um, if you're tenth nationally, you're probably seventh or eighth, and that's you know with the all conference schedule, that's just not good enough to compete with a lot of these teams in the SEC. Now, when you were sitting at third, I'm pretty sure you were ranked second in the SEC, maybe third if you drop down to fourth with Alabama and Georgia. But, I mean, it's not going to get it done. I mean, there's only so much you can scheme, so much you can coach, so much strength and conditioning that can happen to where, okay, now these kids got to play and they're up against guys that are either bigger or stronger than them or more developed unless you can hit a really good plateau or at least, at least you know, and we'll get into this because I read an article that says Florida returned 68% of their production combined with transfer portal, and that's ranked third or that's ranked fourth in the SEC. Mm. So you've got a little bit of an advantage of returning production, but once you lose that production, where does it go from there? And I think that is what is important in getting elite talent to any university in the SEC because of the teams that you have to compete with. Georgia is still number one, right? With all recruiting, just right there. Yes, one. Yeah. So when you're you're trying to figure out the landscape for eighteen months, Kirby Smart's recruiting. <laughs> I feel bad. Look, I feel so bad doing this. I really do. But I also have to be a journalist. I have to. It's like what is? Yeah, this? you have to. You have to. You have to be non-biased. You see, that's why you look at DJ Lagway. I actually feel bad for him right now because the expectations for him, I. I don't know. They're through the roof. I, I don't even know if they're going to be realistic for him. What about you when you look at DJ Lagway? Uh, I mean, I see the potential. Obviously, you have the intangibles from – I mean, like you could go look at Anthony Richardson back from 2021, and he had the intangibles. Florida went 6-7. and seven. Obviously, it was his first year starting. This will be DJ Lagway's first year starting coming out of high school. Uh, you look at his high school statistics, and it's phenomenal. I mean, he averaged a 72% completion rating last year, 58 touchdowns. Gatorade Player of the Year, Bobby Dodd, uh, back National Trophy, which is like the high school high. I mean, he practically won just about any award that you could win in high school. That's a prolific award for a, a certain a student athlete. Um, so you bring him into to, to the University of Florida with all those accolades, but very little college experience. Uh, what are you going to get out of him? Um, can you use him in different certain packages with Graham Mertz? Uh, I'm, I'm assuming Graham Mertz would be the starter based on his experience, um, but. With DJ Lagway in the class, and, and you able to at least close on LJ McCray and, and Miles Graham and Aaron Childs and some of the other elite talents, I mean, it, I mean, the, the receivers and tight ends should be wanting to line up to play for a quarterback like that. You didn't really see any kind of like elite wide receivers. I mean, and that's not to say that the receivers like Jeray Hawkins and some of the other guys that, that have speed that they got in this class aren't going to be productive. It's just you would expect more out of a five-star quarterback that's in your class to be able to retain some of these wide receivers or a tight end like an Amir Jackson that stayed. And uh, you, you just expected a little bit more offensively, I guess, from from a standpoint. But, I mean, losing some of these defensive players as well coming down the stretch, like the Xavier Phil Sains and Amaris Williams and, and just like a week before signing day, it's just a big head scratcher. It makes you think like, you know, and, I, and I've heard boosters on, on on social media saying we're not going to overpay. Well, what's overpaying? What's the I market am- look like? Have we even studied the market? I think that's the bigger issue that I think that Florida is starting to starting to realize is the market's starting to go up, and I'm not sure they're keeping up with those type of numbers. All right, here's my thing. And we're here with David Soderquist, High Top Sports. You do a great job with Gator recruiting, and I, I always love following you on Twitter. I really do. Um, <laughs> Thanks, who man. who's in charge? 
Is the collective in charge with these boosters or is the university in charge? And that's just not for Florida. That's every school. What's going to like, there's a point there. Well, who's recruiting? Is it victorious? Is it Billy Napier? This is why this, this is why someone has to step in and be like, all right, we have to figure this out because this is getting too crazy. That is my opinion. What about you on the subject? Yeah, they're a separate entity from the university, but they do work with the university. So in certain aspects and scenarios, I guess, if there's a player that's wanting something or getting more from another school, is it uh, is it really the coach's decision? Does the coach say, hey, we, right. we don't want to pay him that much? Or does the NIL say, we don't want to pay him that much? Or is it, you know, the NIL maybe wants to pay it, the coach doesn't, vice versa, whatever. Uh, I think the the – Obviously, the choice has to be mutual there, but as far as like player interviews or anything that, you know, you see a lot of these players going on some of these shows from Florida Victorious, that's completely up to Florida Victorious. That is their NIL. Uh, if you make an NIL deal with a player to go on a certain show, that, that deal is set just with the NIL. It has nothing to do with the school. Obviously, they probably do work in with the school to know the, the student schedule so they can get him on a show. Uh, but as far as I know, they're two separate entities, but uh, they do work together. I know we talk about, you know, Scott Strickland not really promoting Florida Victorious as much as he should. And that's been a very, very uh, a, a big subject out there on social media. And, and, and I've even voiced my displeasure with the fact that the athletic director hasn't been very open about uh, promoting NIL. So um, I, I think that you know, there needs to be a little bit more leadership and and and, and being more attentive to uh, what's going on with our NIL and advertising a lot more, asking more boosters to step up, uh, getting more people signed up. I mean, I I bust my butt to get just the average guy to sign up, uh, with, yeah. but we need bigger, you know, corporations to sponsor and everything else. So, I think that. Uh, you know, I, I think that there's a collusion. I mean, you got to work as a collaborative effort together at the school and, and, and the NIL, but it's all kind of just separate as well. I understand, and I appreciate you answering that question. I know it's not easy. It's not. I know you do some stuff with Victorious. So I mean, yeah, you do some player interviews, and I think there is some good with this NIL, but you know what really, really stung me the other day is when, uh, when Saban retired – and then is it Isaiah Bond, their wide receiver, where he said, remember, the top wide receiver at Alabama, he said, I'm going to Texas. Mm-hmm. I'm going to Texas. It's a business decision. What? So yeah, like, where, where was he being recruited to before he went to Alabama? <laughs> I don't know. Texas? I have no idea. Florida. <laughs> Dan Mullen was recruiting Isaiah Bond to Florida, and he was committed to Florida, then flipped to Alabama when Dan Mullen left the University of Florida. So wouldn't you think maybe you'd probably want to at least try to extend something out there to, to see if maybe he wants to come back to Florida? <laughs> no, no. I, I did the research also where, I know this is going old school. I think when you look at Lamar Jackson, the teams in Florida that, that offered him, I think was, I think Florida might have been the only one. Just think about that. And then he decided yeah. to go to Louisville instead because of Bobby Petrino. But I don't think the Hurricanes, just think about that now in hindsight, where the Gators, and I think it was under Muschamp when, but then I think Muschamp left and it turned to McElwain. But is that an also what if for the Gators with Lamar Jackson? 
Uh, I mean, yeah, you can always put that into a scenario, especially the, with the way that the uh, the defense was playing back then. I mean, you had zero offense, but your defense Nothing. was the elite-level national championship defense. So, yeah, Lamar Jackson probably would have been one heck of a <laughs> – one heck of a quarterback to bring in there. I mean, obviously, uh, I think what we're, we're thinking back, what Treon Harris, Jeff Driscoll, uh, those quarterbacks weren't really getting it done. And you bring in a Lamar Jackson, that could have really turned around that offense. I could do this game if you want. Luke Del Rio, Austin Appleby. <laughs> hmm, who else can I bring up? Remember, Kyle Trask couldn't get on the field because we they had Austin yeah. Appleby and Luke Del Rio. Don't forget. Oh, yeah, and, and then Jim McElwain told Will Greer to take a hike and go to West Virginia instead of just having him sit for a year. Yeah, you had that. Ooh, there's a couple I can think of. Look, this is a very negative conversation. It bothers me, but we have, know, to, right? we have to have it. We have to. I'm trying to think it's the other ones. Uh, oh, there was another name I'm trying to think of live on the air that we had here. Ooh. Oh, okay. I know what it is. I'll, I'll tell you. I remember when Justin Fields had the visit. Then he visited mm-hmm. Florida State. And neither team, and he went to Georgia. I remember that. And the other one, Matt Corral, was going to go to Florida. And then he backed out and went somewhere else. That's the other one I was thinking of. Yeah, Jim McElwain gets fired. You also had Jamar Chase in that class as well. Oh. And, and then McElwain gets fired, and he winds up going to LSU. I mean, I mean, Jim McElwain was on the verge of having a number one class. I mean, he was already, I think, number three. At that time, so you you never know how that would have winded up with Matt Corral and, and Jamar Chase, and then you had Jacob Copeland in there, and then uh, David Pierce obviously stayed in that class as well. I mean, you had some names in that class that were, I mean, that that were big time. Some of them still stayed at Florida and they were big time contributors. But man, you got to think, what about Jamar Chase? You saw what he did at LSU. You look at Matt Corral. Look at what he did at Ole Miss, and you're thinking to yourself, wow, we really just missed out on a whole bunch of quarterbacks production and a lot of good prospects you know, coming down the stretch. Florida just hasn't had that much luck when it's come to recruiting, especially over the past decade. See, that's my thing with with Billy Napier. Like, I, I know it's hard to be patient, but I, I feel like I'm preaching to the Gator fans here. You've got to give this a chance. You've got to, like, it, it's going to take more – than two days to get this done. That That's how I feel in my heart with this program, where it's like, okay, well, you can't just keep firing people. That's not going to help the program. How do you see this program right now? Yeah, I've, I've always been – I've been with you on that, Mark. I've always been to the fact of, like, you know, we can raise a whole bunch of booster money to fire a coach, but we can't raise a whole bunch of booster money to get some recruits to the University of Florida in the NIL age that just makes you scratch your head. I mean – you look at all the money that's been raised, and Scott Strickland talks about facilities and, and revamping the swamp. Right now, you need to win. <laughs> winning, winning takes care of itself, and winning takes care of the money problem for your program. And when you're not winning, you're really having to try hard to get those funds to do what you want to do. And I think that you know the, the, the less people that show up for games coming down the stretch is the less money the university makes. Uh, when you're winning, everybody wants to see the games. When you're losing, hardly anybody wants to come. So um, I, I'm on that boat with you as far as, it, you know, with, you know, just getting a winning team together and, and, and promoting more of the NIL. I think, you know, as I said, I think Florida's done a very lackluster job in promoting Florida victorious. I mean, when you you look at the landscape of college football and we, we I go in a lot of these Twitter spaces and, you know, national ones and, and their schools are raising a whole bunch of money, promoting it, and they're they're getting guys, they're getting players on their team where 
I think Florida's just been lacking in that department. That's not me being negative. That's just me being honest about what I think. And those people at Florida Victorious are great people. They work their tails off, and they deserve a little bit more support than what they're getting right now. All right, realistically, and I'm going to ask you this question for the next, uh, let's see, we're in February, or at five, six months till we get to Labor Day. What Realistically, what's the best best case scenario for Gator football this fall? Uh, you better hope that Graham Mertz takes the next step as a quarterback. Um, hopefully the offensive line with the experience coming back and a lot of the guys, you know, keeping keeping a lot of the guys from last year and they're coming in this year, especially guys you got from the transfer portal like Brandon Crenshaw, Dixon, and Devin Manuel, and, and hopefully some of these guys can be instant contributors on top of that. You're, you really hope for better offensive line production. I know Graham Mertz, a lot of people are complaining, well, he doesn't throw the ball deep. Well, he, he doesn't have time to throw the ball deep sometimes. So <laughs> those, those, those flea flickers, you only got one second to check it down to somebody because they have to at least have some sort of time to get down to the field. But uh, you're, you're hoping that Graham Mertz kind of takes the, the next step that Kyle Trask did from 2019 to 2020. Uh, you hope DJ Lagway's the real deal. Hopefully, he can add a different dynamic. Uh, even if your offensive line struggling, a good dual threat quarterback can kind of change the you know change the projective pro- of getting down the field and and opening up maybe some run plays for the offense. Um, you know, you lose Trevor Etienne, but you bring back Montrell Johnson, who rushed for over 800 yards last year and averaged 5.5 yards for rush you hope he takes the next step as well i mean you got some good pieces i I mean i could go down the list of every position i think that you're just hoping people take the next step obviously craig Fitzgerald coming in strength and conditioning you heard a lot of guys uh we interviewed jake uh excuse me we uh david waters interviewed trey on web and he said there's more olympic side lift now there's less cardio he said they're doing a lot of cardio for some reason with with mark hockey their strength now they're doing more Olympic sized lifts, and uh, you know, it, it just everything you know is getting better in the weight room there. So you're hoping just a lot of those coaching changes show there on the field. You know, with Ron Roberts and Austin Armstrong kind of working there together, and Billy Napier's in the presser today that Austin Armstrong would still be calling the plays, but Ron Roberts would be kind of overseeing that. He's got 20 plus uh, years of experience as a DC. So you hope that the coaching changes, the development, the guys getting older, more experience, and hopefully Gray Mertz taking that next step will hopefully elevate you, especially at the beginning of that schedule. You're playing a lot of new quarterbacks at the beginning of that schedule. You're going to have to have Miami at home with Cam Ward, who's been an up-and-down quarterback, but when he's been up, he's had some really, really good games. Uh, you, You hope to win that first game. Uh, that first home game coming out of the stretch, and then you go on to Sanford, and I would I would say that's an easy win. And then, of course, you, you go down that SEC stretch with some new quarterbacks. That second half of that schedule is going to be really hard. And Will Miles even said that if you put if you deposit enough money into the bank, say you get you go five and zero, six and zero, or seven and zero, you can afford a couple losses and maybe have a couple of wins that you weren't supposed to pull off and have an eight win, nine win season, and then. Nobody's really angry and everybody's optimistic, and your head coach is, is probably staying another year. The UCF game is against KJ Jefferson now, who beat the Gators yeah. last year <laughs> in the swamp with Arkansas. And this is insane. It really is. Just, uh, but sign me up. I can't wait. All right. I can't wait. Um, I won't ask you about Gator basketball. I'm, I'm still angry about that loss to A&M. It was not good. No. Uh, yeah, I'm not the biggest basketball expert, but I did watch that game, and yeah, I think they were up what 14, 13 points, and then wind up they wind up losing, I, right? It was not good, but you know what? I'm yeah. going to say this about college basketball. 
Stop saying everything's an upset. If someone gets upset every night, just stop it. It's like, oh, Duke <laughs> lost. Carolina, everyone's getting upset. Everyone. So they're not upsets anymore. Thank you. Is it really an upset if an unranked team beats an unranked team? No, it is not. <laughs> If you listen back to the transcript of this conversation, it's Mark complaining, being frustrated, and then he asks, David, what are your thoughts? And David gives a real answer. That's the whole conversation. Uh, hey, you're, you're going to get nothing but real from me, man. <laughs> oh, I know. What can we check out with uh, High Top Sports, buddy? Yeah, we're going live tonight uh, at 835. We'll have Zach Goodall on from SI.com. And uh, we had a player interview last week as well, if you, people want to check it out there. Um, and uh, we just got the, we got the site revamped now. So if you go to hightopsport.com, the site's revamped. I post an article about Craig Fitzgerald and his effect on some of the players and uh, some of the interviews around town. And of course, you can follow me at High Top Dave on Twitter, and you can follow High Top Sports at High Top Sport on Twitter as well. How many days till the, how many, how many days till the, whatever, Twitter X, how many days till the spring game? What do we got? Two months? Yeah. Uh, April 13th. Yeah. About two months. And it's on a Saturday too. Oh, I'm, I'm there. The hell with it. I'm getting in the car. Are you going to join me? Let's go. I, I will be there. Yeah. Let's go. I have to see Lagway throw the ball. All right. He's going to throw the ball. And then every reporter in the press, Press box, give me writing articles. That's what's going to be. I can't wait. Oh, he's going to throw a touchdown pass, and there's going to be Heisman all over the place. Remember, I don't think they <laughs> scored last year like a touchdown. I'm not kidding. I don't know what the hell happened last year in the spring game. It was on a Thursday. All right, let's not bring it up. His name is David Soderquist. My <laughs> man, thank you, thank you so much for your help. Have a great day, all right? All right, Marty. Thanks for having me, man. All right, good stuff.